This is IOM, the flagship podcast of being in Arizona in January. And for some reason, it was still cold, even during the day. I'm your friend, Nathan Graham, Senior Coordinator for Institute. As you know, this is the podcast that highlights the people that make Institute possible. For today, we have our 2024 Winter Institute wrap-up spectacular with an all-star list of guests. Due to some scheduling, we had to break the interview into two parts. The first part is the 2024 Winter Institute board chair, Josh Driscoll, IOM from the Broken Arrow Chamber of Commerce in Oklahoma, and Terry Baker, newly minted IOM from the Society of American Foresters in Washington, D.C. For part two, the fun doesn't stop as we have another newly graduated IOM in Britton Walker from the Tulsa Regional Chamber in Oklahoma. A jam packed episode to recap the site that was. Let's get to it. Josh and Terry, welcome to this episode. Welcome to the wrap up for winter. I know it seems like a million years ago that this 2024 Winter Institute happened, but it was just earlier this month. So we've had time to decompress. We've had time to gather our thoughts, uh, good, bad, and in ordinary, just about winter and Institute itself. So um welcome thank you we'll get started with our first question and i will send this one to terry first because he's the graduate here he's the graduate on this call and so how did you first get involved with the institute uh great question so my my first introduction to institute was actually uh i'm run a professional forestry association and was meeting with some colleagues and they said well once upon a time, I went to this thing that was put on by the chamber and it went really well. And I think it's really useful if you're new to the world of associations, you should look into that. And that was really about all I heard from them. So um, it was one of those things where I just started kind of doing some research and, and kind of having that loose introduction. And the more I read, the more I felt like it was going to something that could be really helpful uh, because I came into association leadership from being a professional in the space. So um, in the forestry space, so I knew nothing of how to run an association. I'd been a member of one. So um, it was one of those things where, the, again, I just thought it would be a great foundation to build for me uh, to be more effective coming in as a CEO into a space like this and um, respecting the knowledge that someone needs to to operate in the profession of nonprofits versus just thinking, oh, well, I'm a leader in the profession of forestry. Sure, I can run a nonprofit. Uh, just definitely taking a bit of being humble and being thoughtful and, and stepping into the space to learn from folks who've done it for many years. So, Good to know. So uh, very, very well put for that. Um, and so we'll, now we'll go over to someone who has been doing Institute for years, uh, being in IOM and then just being on the board itself, um, to the person who was in the hot seat this year as chair of the site and trying to develop all that. So Josh, same question to you. How did you get involved with Institute? So I started my chamber career now. It's been somewhere around 14 years ago. That number always seems to change since I can't remember what year anything happened anymore. Uh, but I had a number of colleagues in uh, the state that reached out and said, hey, this is a great opportunity. And you can't really go to college for a chamber of commerce or association management degree. So this is the this is what you do. So I plugged in through that, had a phenomenal experience at Institute. And then after I graduated, you know, the, one of the questions gets asked on the survey is, are you interested in coming back and, and volunteering? And of course, the answer was yes. When a program has meant as much to your professional career as Institute meant for me, anything I could do to give back was worthwhile. So uh, Nick Kiefer, who was the chair, uh, vice chair at the time, reached out before Institute and asked if I would be willing to come and serve as a class advisor. So in 2018, I was a 2017 winter graduate, attended all 
four years there. In 2018, I came back and served as a class advisor and then was able to serve on the Board of Regents. And it's been a really great experience. I've been able to connect with a lot of phenomenal professionals with people that I never would have met otherwise, associations, chambers, and from all 50 states. Very nice, very nice. And so you're going to have to dig a little bit here, depending on when this memory happened. Um, And I'll actually, we'll keep it with Josh for this one. Uh, what is your best memory from both in, from Institute, both from this year and previous years? My best memory of Institute as an attendee was my second year. Uh, the entire experience, we'd been connected already. We knew each other better. We'd been on site. So it was just a great experience and we knew what to expect. We knew what kind of professional development we were going to get. So for me, my second year was one of my favorite, favorite memories as a as a volunteer and as this this last year it was a favorite moment for mine because it really was things coming full circle my first year at institute uh, i met stephanie parton who was on the board of regents at the time um we really connected became you know of course facebook friends as anyone who's met stephanie knows um lots of pictures and hugs but this year stephanie you know served as the chair of the trustees. So having her come back in that role and me having the pleasure of being the chair of the Board of Regents was really a special moment for me. Nice. Yeah, I will say, yes, yeah, Stephanie did immediately after I left winter. That was the first, I mean, I don't have the Facebook app on my phone. So whenever I check it every two months or something, that was the first thing that popped up was Stephanie Parton. I was like, how nice of you, Stephanie. How nice, nice, nice board chair move there. Um, anyway, uh, Terry, on to you. What was your from this year and previous years, if you have one? Sure. Um, I would say I'll, I'll start with the previous year, and I and it's 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 somewhat similar in the sense of um, my second year was a was a really interesting year because, as I like to say, my class took the uh, the COVID gap year in institute, and so um, my first year was was in um, January of 2020, and so all of, the, of course everything that happened right soon not soon after that. Um, and so my second year was was not until 2022. Um, and what was what really stood out about that? I think it was that whole piece of coming back together um, after you know COVID lockdowns and and um, and just really kind of reconnecting with that group of folks that had kind of com- that had committed to not move forward virtually. Like they they we all wanted to come back together with the folks we had met our first year, as many of them as possible. Um, to continue that journey and to be at winter, to be at Tucson uh, and have that connection with each other. And so that from a very kind of like high level was was re- was really exciting about coming back in our second year, which, you know, just was was special about, yeah, we're going to do this together. And I and that you could hear that from basically almost everyone in our group. And we had a few other folks who had come in along the way. And so uh, but there was always that core there of folks that started in 2020 right before everything stopped. And so um so that was one of the things that was uniquely special, I think, about my time throughout winter. And I, and I think this year was, again, just that that piece of being with folks and celebrating, you know, everything coming to a close and, and all the the, uh, the little stories and the nicknames and the laughs and the inside jokes and the relationships that you create along the way. It just all, you know, came to came to a pinnacle and to a summit. And um, it was just exciting to see everybody walk across the stage and make it through this opportunity and what it meant for folks' careers and where they were going to go next. And so, yeah, it's just um, that piece of community is just really, really stands out as part of my time at, at Winter and at Institute in general. And so, um, and feeling like you have that unique connection and in, in particular with our cohort, you know, we have the 
the COVID gap year. So um, makes it that much more special. Yeah, that's a that's good to know. Good to good memory to have because I after keeping track of all the classes since I've started in this job, being like, which one of y'all were actually like had the COVID gap year and which some people are fast trackers so they're starting at a different level but then some people have been doing winter all four years and so I'm not like keeping track of like which classes are going to bring up the you know before COVID after COVID during all of that um, and then which people went to Centennial during that 2021 mm-hmm. year so yeah it it's interesting to know like or how people felt uh, during that time and whether or not they wanted to come back with their class or not it tracking those graduates tracking those people that are now graduating it's uh interesting to look at because they have a very different perspective on institute compared to someone who started in 2022 like myself um yep. so i yep. at least i get to hear their <laughs> stories a little bit um, and so with that, uh, from both of you, and I'll start with Terry for this one, what do you think is the best part about winter? You may not have been to the any of the other sites to compare, but like, what do you think is the best part about winter? Uh, a few things stand out about winter to me. I, I, I did not go to, have not been to any of the other sites, but I think that, you know, a, a nuance for winter is, I, you know, um, I think there's a, fun, a few fun things for me personally, but I think they, some of them resonated with some of my classmates. So one, you know, I picked winter because of the what I learned was the horrible assumption that, oh, it's the first week of the year. That's going to be a relatively slow. That's going to be a slow enough time for me able to just walk away for a week and things work out. And and to this date and this last winter um, experience, it was by far one of the busiest, craziest times for me in my day job being at winter. But but um, but also the importance of, of making the time to be there and, and be fully engaged. So. Um, so that's just one of those fallacies you tell yourself like, oh, yeah, this is going to be fine. This is a good time to take this. And folks are like, yeah, nothing's happening at the beginning of the year. And then you're proven, you know, horribly wrong uh, with that. But but you figure out how to make it work. Um, I think another nuance of winter is, you know, it's folks that are trying to, uh, you know, obviously there's the contingent of people who are from the general area. But there's also, I think, many of us who are running to escape the cold uh and and that you know heading to tucson in the winter uh and and i think that was again a bit of an irony this year because it was quite cool and quite windy the entire week we were there um so it was not uh not the warm safe haven from the northern you can states. say it. you can say that we got scammed this year is what it i'm was, saying in terms of coldness <laughs> we're all walking around it's like this feels colder than it's ever been since we've been here um you know, I, I would say it's it's probably a sign when like the, the heating braziers at the restaurant get blown out because it's so windy and so cold. It's not a good sign. Um, but, uh, you know, some of those are some generic things. But I think overall, just there's something about that aspect of coming together, um, I think, in the winter months and just, you know, the start of the year and, and figuring out how your year is going to go. But but kicking it off with a group of people that, again, you you develop that community and that strength of support. And it just sets you on the right foot going forward for the rest of the entire year. So I think that's I think it's one of the unique things you end up learning about winter because there's so much energy, there's so much inspiration, there's so much support that even if it, it may not be a conscious thing, but it, it really puts you in the right mindset to take on your entire year and also know that you have a community of folks that can help you along the way. So so I think that's that's just those are some of my thoughts of what really stands out about winter and, and why I felt it's been hugely helpful in my first five years of being a, an association executive. 
Okay. I love that perspective because like it's a great way to start the year. It's kind of you're starting your work resolutions for yourself, not really. I mean, your personal resolutions like working out and doing all the, you know, eating, you know, less whatever. But it it's an interesting perspective where you're like, I can start, I can do this in my job. I can do that in my job and it puts you in the right mindset for the rest of the year. So that's a that's an interesting way of looking at it. I like it. I will probably take that for Great. next I year. Just maybe, came up but I just, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just like, huh. Yeah, it absolutely is that. That's the great way. I mean, it is the start of the year because it's very, well, it's supposed to be quiet, but then it gets very busy. So, yeah, I I can get behind that. So, Josh, the same to you. You know, uh, Terry said something that was true. I always tell people there are far worse places to be in January than Tucson, Arizona. Uh, the, The weather there, aside from this year, and Terry, I think you missed the one year that it rained during Institute for about 30 minutes, and you would have thought the world was coming to an end. There was mass chaos, streets flooding, dogs and cats living together. Um, But no, really, for me, one of the best parts about Winter Institute, one, the campus setup is ideal. The, the, The base hotel is convenient. The walk is beautiful. Even with the cooler weather this year, it was still it was still nice. But, you know, I think a lot of what it comes back to, and I think Terry would agree with this as well, it's the people you're able to connect with it winter. And I'm sure it's like this is all the sites, but you know, Terry and I could speak to Winter Institute. The people you connect with will become some of your your closest confidants and friends and people who understand what you're going through um, in your job. But um, the professional development aspect of it too, for me, winter, January, you're starting off the new year with new knowledge, new perspectives, new energy. It's a, It's a great way to start the year the walk was the walk is still nice it is very pretty mm-hmm. i know i was complaining about the weather because i'm from dc and it was cold and i wanted something warm but all right uh thanks thanks for cheering me up josh um i i did enjoy the walk i do enjoy it because i arizona is like the well, out of all the four sites and i haven't been to madison yet but it's the i like the difference in just like the overall look of the place because on the east coast it's pretty much like brick and mortar everywhere like there's green spaces whereas that in arizona there's that area where it can look that dry those uh the trees along the right along the walking route to campus it's very pretty it's very nice even in like 50 degree weather which i enjoy normally but whenever you've had 30 degree weather for a long time you're like 50s is okay i would like maybe 60. Um, I would like not to have to wear a jacket and have a heater in the office. Um, but let's not forget, though, the Arizona nights are also very nice. Terry mentioned these two, the heaters outside, the beautiful sky. But yeah, the, the terrain in Arizona is a very different perspective. I'm from Oklahoma, so we don't have a lot of cacti around here. But yeah. the, mount, the mountains, the desert, uh, the cacti, mm-hmm. cacti, everything else, it's really a, a great new thing to see. Yes, it is. Um, so... Josh, what was it like being chair of the site this year? I mean, you've been on the board, but being the chair this time and helping to develop the culture of the site. I think coming into this, the chore or the challenge for me was let's make sure we don't lose what this site is. And one of the things that I experienced and that others have always talked about, we hear it in our surveys, is how welcoming this site is. Rudy uh, Flores, who is our our chair for next year, talks about how he attended other sites, but when he got to winter, it just felt like home, so to speak. It was it was welcoming. He felt like that's where he belonged. So I think that was a big part of it is making sure that in the, we were out there. The regents, you know, were equally dedicated to that, making sure that we were there as a resource, that we were making sure people knew they could they could come talk to us or volunteers or faculty. But I think that was a, a big part of what the culture was, and I felt like part of my charge was was to keep that culture that welcoming culture alive 
And then the other part of that is something, you know, Raymond from Institute staff talked about was we are professionals engaged in the profession of nonprofit management. And I think that's a, a big focus of what we were doing there is, you know, let's not lose, not lose sight of why we're here. It's great to meet new people. It's great to meet Terry. It's great to interact with faculty. But at the end of the day, we are here to become better trained professionals in this professional endeavor we're engaged in. And then kind of the last part for me was I had the pleasure of serving on the kind of the fundraising you know, committee working on the auction. And that's a really rewarding thing that the regents get to do is raise money for scholarships to help people who maybe wouldn't be otherwise, otherwise able to attend institutes. So I think keeping that going and then Adrian and Kathy this year, you know, took care of that, did a, a phenomenal job. So making sure that we're able to provide financial support to those who maybe would have challenges attending otherwise was an important part of that, that culture. Yeah, um, getting to fundraise, that's an interesting perspective because you're building not the current people, or you are kind of in a way, but you're also looking at the next group of people that are going to come through and how are they going to be able to afford this and what are they going like, what are they going to bring and get it, making that money so that you can, you know, continue the program and continue those scholarships for people. Um, so going into, you know, the culture of things. Terry, how has the culture of winter helped you along in your institute journey? Um, great question. I think as I look at my institute journey, there's just, there's a definitely that piece like Josh mentioned, that piece of coming home, that piece of being very familiar, very welcoming, very supportive um, has been, has just been paramount. You know, it's like, it's, it's old home week every, every January. And I think that's one of the the, the fascinating conversations when you when you complete your IOM and you know we're all kind of seeing it's like well what are we going to do next January do we just want to you know come just show up like I mean there was a whole conversation of like what what the group meant to each other um, and I think just that that feeling of what it means and and that idea of what it means to support not only yourself but looking into the future something that my my class in particular started um, I believe our second year was we actually started fundraising as a class um, to give us to give uh, a donation to the scholarship fund in the name of our class advisor. Um, so I'm not I'm not sure what the number ended up being total, but um, but each year, I mean, we gave a pretty decent chunk of funds that folks just kind of gave willingly and saying, hey, yeah, we want to we want to support this. We want to honor our class advisors because they've all been awesome and all been really supportive. Um, and we want to give to folks who, who you know, like like Josh mentioned, other, mentioned otherwise wouldn't be able to make it into uh, Winter Institute. So, so it's an exciting thing for us um, to just how we came together as a class to not only support our, you know, each other, but also look at what this experience has meant to us, how it brought us all together, and what we can do to give back and support it overall. So um, I know there was quite a contingent of my class who filled out the volunteer forms and folks were really excited about, you know, what part can they give to give to, to give back to what they experienced over the, these last technically five years um, that we've had uh, had together in some form or fashion. So um, the culture is key and it just it makes you want to come back and makes you want to be with that same group of people and feel that energy um, and, and keep pushing forward. So that's that's been a just an amazing part of my my winter experience. Yeah, I whenever they whenever y'all collected the donation and brought like, whoever I think you gave it probably to the, yeah, um, we we were sitting in whatever board meeting and they told us I forget how much I know it was a significant amount but it was um, I was just like oh that's cool I've never 
Like I, you know, I've been to a few sites now and I'm like, huh. I mean, I've seen donations come, donations go in different ways, but I was like, that's an interesting fundraising tactic. Just letting them just doing it on your own is a nice class and doing it under the name of your class advisor. Um, love Nikki. So, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was very sweet of y'all to do. Um, kind of moving into another part of this is, you know, there's another state and there's another portion of this and that's the faculty. It's like mm-hmm. what uh, we are a continuing education program. The education portion of that does come from our faculty. So um, and this doesn't have to be from this year. It can be any time. Um, which <laughs> faculty members had the most influence on you? Oof! wow. And I'll start with Terry on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'll, I'll jump right into that one. I think it's there's been a few and and a few that um, that's one of the things that I think has been just a, a major asset of being a part of IOM, being a part of Winter, is several of the faculty members, definitely from my first year, just the, not just the education, but the thoughtful conversations you can have on breaks or after the the, the formal presentations. Um, so much so, you know, Pam Green definitely comes to mind because after my first year, I actually ended up reaching out to Pam and and um, hired her as my executive coach because again, I was like, I. I do not know the world of nonprofits from the from the business side. Um, and so and I and I was hired into a situation where it's like, all right, how do we want to rebuild this and move it forward? Um, so just having someone to help bounce things off of and and keep you in line. And my favorite line, keep you out of jail uh, was was a huge, huge benefit. And from that sense. And um, and then also Bob Harris. I had some great conversations with him. Uh, my organization ended up hiring him to uh, to assist with a strategic planning effort to be a part of that larger, um, you know, restructuring and, and path forward. So, so those two definitely stick out. But I mean, I, I really do think the vast majority of folks, of course, everyone's going to say Josh because Josh is amazing um, and a few other folks. But um, but it just is a, a a great cadre of folks. And there's several folks that I'm just, you know, connected with along the way and um, had follow-up business relationships, not just what I formally learned at went at that institute, which was hugely helpful, but it was also like this is a resource that I can just use in my day-to-day and how to make that happen. So, um, so yeah, I, those are two names that stand out just mainly because they're they're folks that I ended up following up with and working with um, professionally. But um, but there's several others I can name. Probably just about everybody I've met uh, who was a was a faculty member who just had a great impact and. And I think what's most important is they're willing to have those conversations um, when I know, you know, they're they're tired of talking, but they, they'll they'll meet you during lunch. They'll meet you after a class. They'll meet you during a break um, to keep talking about these things because they're so passionate about it and passionate about helping folks. So, yeah, um, you named some you named some all stars there, Bob and Pam. Uh, yep. Pam. Pam and I make a lot of jokes to each other. It's great. And then Bob, he'll randomly send me uh, news stories that he's like, because him and I have had different conversations about AI and partnerships and things like that. So um, both good, both just good all-star educators for us. Um, And so Josh, same question to you. And you can't say Pam or Bob. So you got others to pull from, (laughs) unless they've truly influenced you more than you can name any other. You know, for me, uh, somebody that always sticks out is, you know, Michael Gelman on the financial mm-hmm. side of operations. I think for me coming into this job as CEO and my previous organization was that was my where I was most unsure of my skills. What I you know, you don't know what you don't know sometimes in going through that. 
first year and then you know each subsequent year has been great but that's the advice i'd like to give first years all the time is pay close attention even if you're not currently the ceo this is the area where most trouble comes from this is where the most confusion comes from i had a, a mentor here in oklahoma tell me one time he'd been a city manager for 30 years he said your budget is your most important document you have and i think going through you know michael gelman's classes and conversations with him reinforced that and helped me better understand what i was looking at and then how to manage that budget and of course all your related documents but yeah i would echo terry as well the the staff at institute is just top notch and he named some real rock stars and there are so many more that we could fill up an hour or two of this podcast just talking about that's true I, after the northeast wrap-up i because i attended northeast then i also hosted the northeast wrap-up podcast so I was like, I named some of my favorites and we just sat there. Um, I got some replies afterwards from said faculty members being like, thank you for the mention. I was like, yeah, I took your class. So, you know, it was an enjoyable one. Um, <laughs> and so what now is more specifically, do you have a and go back to Josh for this one, a favorite class or a favorite extra programming event? Because there are a few others that happen on site. Um, if you are, you know, if you have a particular interest in one of them and maybe a favorite class uh, that you ever took that really did change the perspective or change how you were looking at something. Being on the Board of Regents side, the Association Mixer has been a really great event for me to experience. I'm from the Chamber side, so it's always great to meet people from the Association world and hear their perspectives and some of the things happening there. In terms of, you know, a class that was really valuable to me. It was the CEO lessons learned class when I took that. I can't remember which year it was, but it's sometimes nice to hear other people are are struggling with some of the things you struggle with, or maybe they've got a different perspective on something you're tackling or some new ideas for you. So that for me was a very powerful experience that it kind of opened some, some doors for me conversationally to people that you don't know how to approach and just be like, hey, Terry, tell me more about what you do in your organization. But if Terry had shared something in that class, I'd be like, hey, you mentioned that you're you're doing this or exploring this new idea. Tell me more about it. So it was a great way to connect with other executives. Yeah, that's always the best part about it is because a lot of people just start talking in class and then you'll see like some heads nodding and groups will form because they're all like, oh, I dealt with this. Here's how I can help or I'm about to deal with this. Can you help me out? um that's i mean even things i've asked quite like questions about people are like oh i need a way to do that i'm like i have a way that may work who's to say uh, or i'm currently i know i'm about to deal with something and so someone else has dealt with it within their organizations um so those connections can be made those connections can be like good and helpful um so terry same to you no i i i hate to to cop out a little bit, but I'm right there with Josh. The CEO lessons learned is a, is a massive one from a class perspective. I think also one that's really helpful is is, is um, the delegation and empowerment session, because it's, that can be a hard one as you move from being, for lack of a better term, a doer into being an executive, um, letting go of certain things, um, and realizing you're not going to be as efficient getting certain things done. It can be a hard lesson to learn when you, when you want to continue to be. That's one of the ways you define being effective. Um, so that's always, that was a great class to just talk through some of that and, and be thoughtful about um, what that means to, to let people support you for lack of a better term when you move into to different roles. And so I, I, I think those were two that really stood out. I think for the kind of the, the you know, extra class, you know, extracurricular events, um, one that stood out and 
I'm not sure if it technically falls within that, but I'm going to use it that way, uh, were the consultations, you know, just being able to um, send in requests and have a chance to talk with someone who just um, has different levels of experience and, and expertise to, to just, again, bounce things off of from a perspective where it's not someone within your sector and your space. So it's not, you know, um, raising questions or concerns that someone might have and, and cause them to question you. So just having that open space where it's, you know, relatively unbiased conversation about what's going on either from an organizational perspective, or I think for me, one of the first consultations I had was from a very personal perspective because I came into associations from the federal government. So I had questions about um, pay and benefits because I didn't know how that worked because when you're in the federal government, it's all set, it's not a discussion. So it was just um, just having someone to kind of talk me through that whole dynamic and those those discussions and negotiations with your board of directors was massive, massive help for me to to be more thoughtful about that. Yeah, and I definitely echo Josh's comment about what you learn from your own classmates, let alone the faculty. Like that's that's always just a huge point of like, you know, you're like, oh, you have a form for that. Like, would you mind sharing? And they're like, absolutely not. Here you go. Um, those types of things have been a, you know, just a huge help because trying to create everything yourself is exhausting and also unnecessary. So might <laughs> as well take advantage of the folks in your circle to, to be better. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. Yeah, of course, industry consultations count. Those are those are our bread and butter. We try it. We did over 60 of them this year at winter. Um, I special thanks to Chris Romer and Lynn Overding for grouping everyone up, getting all of those distributed out. Um, thank you for the attendees for taking you know advantage of them to allow uh, Chris and Lynn to distribute those out. Um, but yeah, of course, those connections can be made. Uh, yeah, we we love R and D, the rip off and duplicate series of taking different forms of things that someone's already worked on, so that you don't have to do all of that other work, and you can jump right into what you're looking for. Um, so now let's let's talk about some impact here. So, Terry. How does it feel? How does it feel to now have IOM after your name? It's, uh, I don't even know if it's fully set in yet, to be totally honest. It's one of those things that um, for me, um, you know, the ability to, to have something that represents your, your knowledge and skill level and in a, in a broad base, but also your, your, um, your commitment to the profession and having that understanding it's one of those things, you know, to kind of read through some of the summary documents and, and the press release that was provided to us. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, like I was I was taking this to learn and all these things. But, just, but there's all this history. There's all the, there's 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 this whole. For lack of a better term, family around IOM. And uh, and so to 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 know that you're truly fully part of that and a graduate of that program and, you know, a part of a community that's so so long-standing and so impactful yeah it's just one of those things that um is definitely a point of pride and and something that i think is just exciting and and what it means going forward and and being able to have that community to continue to rely on is is massive but also i think that a, a great piece for me as well is um in doing so and now having the the credential and the letters after my name it, it also represents that ability to to be that person to be that person to to give advice to share experiences to to also be able to speak to my experience like on this podcast and and help point people to to IOM uh, for their own growth and development yeah that's uh that 
it's an, a good way of looking at it, I will say. Um, it, you know, Josh has his IOM. I have, I do not, I just work for the program, but I am going through it. And so hearing those perspectives, hearing what it means to to people, because I, you know, I go day in, day out planning the program. It's nice to know what, uh, what how people feel about it. Um, I mean, I get to see how people feel about it by just them registering for it and their commitment to come and how engaged they are while they're there. Um, but after you leave, there's still that connection portion. We obviously want you to remain engaged. Um, that's why we ask people if they want to volunteer or just, you know, attend webinars, attend whatever. Um, but it's nice to know how people feel coming out of it. You're almost a month out of it and you still say it hasn't settled in yet because it was just that good for you. Um, so, but we'll, we'll, we'll go now I'll ask like based on for both Josh and Terry, um, what advice do you have for current and future attendees? Because you're done with the program in terms of the IOM portion. But what do you advise those people who are going to continue coming? So our current set are now second years, third years and soon to be fourth years. Um, and then those people that will start their first year this year or next year. Mm -hmm. So Josh, start with me on that one. Yeah, I think the the advice that I would give is meet new people. I think one of the biggest things we can do in this, and several of us have had conversations over the years about it, learn new perspectives and learn from people who don't have the same life experience as you. And I think that it helps you understand people better in your own community and across the profession. But I think it gives you a chance to better yourself. I mean, that's what Institute is. It's, yeah, it's great for your organization. It's great for your profession, but Institute is great for you, the attendee and, you know, like Terry, the graduates. So in addition to learning, you know, what's, what's in the class, learn from, from others around you, understand people who have had a different uh, professional experience or personal experience. I think there's a lot we can learn from one another if we're willing to just sit back and listen to what they're saying. And I think Institute gives us an opportunity to do that and to terry yeah i i definitely echo that josh i think the what i would say to folks who are who would be returning or folks starting for the first time i think you know just that ability to be open um and and know that you have a wide variety of people from from various backgrounds and experiences because i i think um i think what's what was really interesting to me i think i i remember vividly parts of my first year and i think probably the the thing that stood out the most was just just registration and walking in and having no idea what was going on and um and it being my first year and definitely seeing and hearing some uh some chamber folks <laughs> that were just like they saw each other and it had been two or three years and they're screaming and i'm like what did i just get myself into <laughs> Um, should I should I turn around and go go get back on the plane? What cult um, did like, I just walk into? What yeah, what kind pretty of much cult? I'm like this this is uh that's that's a lot of energy for uh for a <laughs> for a class. So uh so I'm not quite sure what's about to happen. But uh, but you know, you take that with a grain of salt and and as you and as you get to spend time in the program, spend time getting to know your classmates, spend time getting to know the faculty, um like I said, it feels like old home week, and it's and it's that refresher um, that I think is is also just a huge benefit of of the 
the, the winner experience IOM in general is that, yes, there's, there's all the things that you learn. There's all the benefits associated with that. Um, you have your teams back home that you enjoy working with, but you end up developing this, this group of people that is, um, that becomes dear to you. And, uh, and just having that, you know, coming back year after year for, for four years and what you get from that is, is just massively beneficial. Um, in addition to what you learn from an education uh, for your work and for your organization. But um, like Josh said, you know, what you learn about yourself and and how you grow as a as a person just as well as professionally through the the relationships, through the engagements and the discussions you have at at IOM and at Winter, um, I think are just hugely valuable. And and I'm definitely someone who is a proponent of that and and will share with people like this is a huge opportunity and and worth well worth the investment. Um, not only in yourself professionally, but also personally. Nice, very, very good advice for our, uh, for me as a current attendee, and for all keep of our future back. attendees. It keeps getting keep, better. It keeps getting better. Um, and so, I'll, this is my last question. We ask this of everyone, just because um, we like to know how, personally how do you best can disconnect from work? How do you best disconnect from work? Um, it, you know, just to, cause this is an industry where you pretty much are on all the time. So, um, what do you do? And I will give, uh, Terry this one with him. Sure. Uh, first I will openly admit I am horrible at disconnecting from work. Um, and, and that has to do with a bit of a personal philosophy on why, why I moved into leadership roles. And, and that's to support people, support the people who work for me and work with me. And that's just that's just a priority for me. But uh, which means it's hard for me to disconnect. Um, so so one of the ways that I do that is um, is I will try my best to leave the country. Uh, that's that's one of the ways that, that I've uh, found to, to help me disconnect is like I'm going to Mexico. I will see you in a week. Um, you know, and it's it's as as crazy as that sounds, but it's one of those it's one of the things for me that that helps me feel enough of a distance that I can truly kind of like you know um, take a breath and and recharge uh, those types of things. Um, so that's that's kind of the extreme example. The more common realistic example, I'm a I'm a huge uh, Cirque du Soleil fan, so um, so I also disconnect for work for. Uh, going, you know, obviously touring shows make it a little bit easier, but sometimes I go to Las Vegas, sometimes there's a tour in another part of the country, uh, and just going to those shows and just really enjoying um, what people are capable of. And I think that's that's part of what's what's awe-inspiring about Cirque du Soleil shows, is it just represents, you know, just this unique aspect of, of um, what people can do. And so that's that's a fun way for me to just kind of disconnect and, and let go and uh, those are two of the big ways. The other is is probably one of the usual ones, which is going and spending times with my niece and ne- nieces and nephew, well, niece and nephews, um, in different parts of the country, and just um, those connections with family and um, those reminders of why we do some of the things that we do. Leaving the country is a good one, and I and I have a few trips planned, but I may I may take your advice on that one and leave the country. That's leave the country, and it doesn't have to all be like ten hour trips. It can be up to Canada, it can be down to Mexico. Costa Rica is amazing. So just just little nuggets. All very good places. Uh, Josh, same to you. Well, I'm not nearly as dramatic as Terry. I don't I don't leave the country. <laughs> um, maybe I'll go on your next trip, though. That sounds like fun, Terry. Pretty good but time. For, <laughs> a lot of beaches, a lot of beaches. Uh, you know, for me, um, 
a lot of my friends in the regions know, um, I'm a big fan of music and uh, vinyl record collector, so I enjoy going to record stores and friends with a couple of owners here locally, and I'll spend an hour, sometimes a little bit longer, just kind of going through different sections and finding something and taking them home and listening to them, but uh, spend time with you know, my family and, and do things like that. But I also have a four-year-old French bulldog who demands my attention when I get home. So that's usually at least a good hour of my day is uh, making sure that he feels, and he makes it abundantly clear if I'm not paying enough attention to him. But uh, as far as, you know, disconnecting from work as well, something I started doing is turning off the email notifications from Outlook on my phone. So you don't mm -hmm. get the constant, every time your phone dings, you've got to look down. I think, you know, we can all, all three of us on this call can admit we look anyways. Uh, but it, it for me, it's a, it allowed me, especially during conversations, not to be constantly distracted by push notifications and made me more present in in the conversations I'm having. Yeah, those are those are some simple. We actually recommend while you're on site to turn on do not disturb. And I understand that that's hard and some people might get in trouble for that. And I can't turn off do not disturb because I'm getting attendee messages. But we recommend it for while you're in class is just turn it off. You know, you don't want to look down. Um, you might be typing notes on your computer, but even still turning do not disturb off prevents the notification from sliding over and showing up, um, depending on how your settings are. Mine are if it's in do not disturb, nothing will show up. Um, emergency mm. phone calls, no one, no, no one's getting me uh, because I rarely turn on do not disturb as we've come to figure out. But when I do, it's very important. Um, like this podcast in particular. Um, so that's all the questions I have. So I want to thank both Josh and Terry for doing this. I want to congratulate Terry on graduating. I want to thank Josh for his uh, term as chair, just, you know, making it through the site uh, and getting us to where we are. Britton Walker, welcome, welcome, welcome. Congratulations, first of all, on graduating. We'll get to that in a moment. But um, welcome to the podcast. Um, so my first question is the obvious question is like, how did you get involved with Institute in the first place? Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this podcast. Um, so I got involved with IOM through my current organization, the Tulsa Regional Chamber in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, I was actually asked to go through the program um, in 2019 with my first year starting in 2020. Um, so that's how I got started with an IOM. And there are a few individuals already within my organization who have an IOM. Um, so I definitely got a lot of great, you know, counseling of what IOM is, what to look forward to. Um, so I had some great mentors. Yeah, Allison Walden is the one is so the current Southeast chair for those of you who don't know. Yeah, that that's that's a pretty good uh, pushing force to do uh, IOM. Um, and so Moving on to that is like, what is the best memory from Institute, both from this year, if you have one from this year, and from previous years? I would say, of course, the obvious, my favorite memory from this year is graduating. I think you look forward to that for so long, especially over the last few years of going through the pandemic. I think we wanted it even more. So that's probably my favorite memory. And also just reconnecting with our class and meeting new people. I think that is always a great memory because along the way, more and more people decide to go through winter or go with a fast track route. And so having those connections has always been great. 
I think my favorite memory just in general from the last five years is going to Institute for the first time in 2020 um, with the kickoff. Um, I just remember the entire vibe of the room was just so exciting. And this was before the pandemic. And so I think that's my favorite memory. Yeah, the last site before the pandemic and then pandemic. Uh, well, can't win them all sometimes. Yeah, I, I go through and I I was telling this to uh, Terry whenever I was interviewing Terry and Josh. He was like, got to keep track of those classes that had like a pre-pandemic experience and then did not have a pandemic or did, and now are starting um, after the pandemic or even during that time in Centennial uh or in 2022 winter it was a very it's a very different experience jumping from that um so ask it going further into that is like what did you think what do you think is the best part about winter yeah that's a great question for me i think the best thing about winter is that it's really the perfect way to start your year Winter is the first week, typically, of January of every year. And so you're already feeling energized. It's a new year. There's new goals. You know, you have things that you want to strive for. So for me, it's the it's the energy that winter brings to a new year. So that is what I believe makes winter unique. And so do you believe that energy is part of the culture of winter and that helped you along in your institute journey? I think so, yes, because everyone has that same motivation of the new year at winter everyone is just it's after the holidays you're feeling refreshed you have a little bit more rest going into winter and so i think in general the culture has just always been so energizing and so welcoming with the start of a new year and you talk about that a lot at winter is that it's a new year you know, how are we going to be different after this week? What are the things that we're going to take back to our organization and do this year? You know, there's just a lot of talk around that as well. Well, it's, it's good to know. I like the I like that there's a ton of energy because obviously I hear a lot of conversation about Southeast having a lot of energy, sometimes a lot of energy. And hearing that winter is also a great start to the year it's uh it's not just winter it's the time of the year that it's happening yeah. um and that provides that energy that gets you through the rest of the year and you're also setting your goals for the new year at that point so winter helps i guess give you some tips and tricks just to get through another year or get through those um planning sessions for the next year um and so another part of our of institute is mainly the education portion of it and sure. so which faculty member has had the most influence on you sure i would say there have been multiple faculty members who've had great influence on me over the last five years in different ways but i think the most influential person through iom specifically winter has been dexter freeman so oh. dexter was my class one one advisor in January of 2020. Um, at that time, he was also with an organization who um, was running for Chamber of the Year, and we were both in the same category. And so it was super, it was super cool to connect with him from um, an industry standpoint, but also from you know a highly um, educated professional and someone that I looked up to in so many different ways. And then obviously I got to reconnect with him through ACCE. 
Um, and so Dexter has has been probably the most influential person to me because he was my class advisor before the pandemic. Um, and he truly gave it his all. He was the most friendly friendly human that we had in his advisor and he encouraged us to you know stay involved stay connected and and all the things so i i truly give him a lot of credit of why i finished iom and did you hear a new perspective this year that changed the way you think about a situation slash problem yeah so this is actually a really interesting question and so you might laugh because <laughs> i do not remember who I heard this from, but oh. one of the things that I took away spe specifically this year for 4-1 is that you need to listen to understand, stop listening to respond. Yeah. And yeah. I cannot remember who said that, which is so interesting because of the context of the saying, but that is something that I will, you know, hold dear to my heart as I move forward in my career. That's good to know. And that's a that's a very good thing to learn is like we're not you need to listen to listen, like just in any conversation, just making sure that you are hearing what people are saying and getting the full context of what they're talking about instead of just being I it, it everything does not need to be a debate. And so and that's how I believe a lot of conversations are had nowadays with disagreements. And instead of just people hearing each other out, um, everything does not need to go to blows is what the, the tip of the day for this podcast is don't not everything needs to be a fight. Um, and so going into the some of your more winter experiences, do you have a favorite class or favorite extra programming event? Because it's not always in class. It can be always with industry consultations or mm. a, a bonus session. What do you have a particular favorite from your four years of doing this? Yeah, I would say, honestly, the association mixer has been something that I've really enjoyed in the past because I do come from a chamber and this, um, you know, this program is for associations and chambers. And so being able to go outside my bubble, really, and connect with more of the associations specifically at their own mixer has been very enjoyable. That's that's an interesting perspective, because a lot of the time the marketing is driven towards just associations to attend, whereas I think it's good that you did attend. It was that's a that's an interesting way of doing. It. It's like because so there's not a lot of cross training between uh, associations and chambers, unless you attend institute, obviously. But if you're if you're looking to get more involved with them and learning like what they do, that's a great way to do it. Is show up to their to a little mixer that's being held. Yeah. Um, so the other part is. How does it feel? How does it feel to now have graduated? You said the graduation was a very exciting part of it, but how how does it feel to have those letters beside your name, to be inscribed in history as an IOM? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. And honestly, there are so many emotions that come with IOM, specifically, you know, graduating and finally making it to that stage. I honestly, there's two words that I think of. I feel honored, but I also feel hungry. And so I feel like this is the first step of so many more things that I want to do. And I think IOM introduced me to so many more things that I can do after my IOM and things that IOM does set you up for. And so it's funny because I'm, I'm extremely honored to have that um, and to be able to say that I did it um, and have IOM after my name, but it makes me very hungry to keep going. Awesome answer. Awesome. Because I, I Raymond 
uh, our boss, uh, Raymond told, said like education doesn't stop here. There's always continuing to grow, getting your CCE or CAE or any of the other many credentials that you can get within this uh, business and industry. So I, I I appreciate that sentiment is that you're not done. You're going to keep going. You're going to keep growing. Uh, you're going to keep learning, growing and connecting as uh, Karen might not like me saying because it's an old tagline of ours mm-hmm. um and so what are you taking away from institute as a whole both personally for your own personal growth and for your own professional growth yeah professionally i feel like i just made a huge step in my career um you know this is a this is a big commitment and when you decide to go to iom it isn't just for a week you know, this is long term and you get to go and you get to commit to a program for, you know, four or so years and sometimes less than that, um, depending if you're fast tracking. But professionally, I feel like this is just a huge step in my career and it makes me so excited for the future. Um, personally, I got to connect with so many different kinds of individuals across the nation. And what's so cool is that every chamber is unique in themselves. And I love the conversations that come with, I'm really dealing with this. I do really well at this. What are you doing? You know, what advice do you have for me as a new professional, as someone who's been in the industry for 30 plus years, like just the personal connections that you get. um, I've made some great friendships. Good to hear. Good to hear. And so how did the Institute change your perspective of being a chamber uh, professional? I would just say this is going back to how you are connecting with so many different kinds of chambers. And so my perspective is that they're like we are not in this by ourselves. We are truly all in this together. And so it gives it gives me a lot more respect for those who are in this industry making impact, you know, in their communities. Ooh, man, that was impactful. For, I mean, it took me a moment to think about that one. Um, and so let's look to the people that are still attending. So the ones who are going to be fourth years next year, third years, second years, and then our newly minted first years. It's like, what advice do you have for them? And it doesn't even have to be just at the winter site. It can be for all sites if you mm-hmm. want to prov- if you want to provide <laughs> that perspective loud and clear. Yeah, my advice is to go to as many things as possible. And what I mean by that is that you were there for almost a week. Take advantage of every opportunity. Talk to someone new every single day. Go to your class dinner. Introduce yourself to a staff member, a faculty, a board of regents. Truly connect with someone different every single day. Um, get their business card, get them on LinkedIn, follow them on Facebook, ask them questions, you know, stay curious um, and just remember that the work that you are doing in, in your community matters and IOM, you know, provides you that opportunity to take that back to your organization. Nice, nice advice. I mean, I'm also a current attendee, so thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then the the last question, we ask everyone this um, just because, uh, one, I need a great way to do this, and it's always good to provide perspective on this. And it's like, how do you best disconnect from work if you can? Yes. Stru- that's a struggle for a lot of people sometimes. It is. It's a struggle. You know, we're a nonprofit. We're, you know, we're doing so much impactful work that sometimes it is so hard to turn it off. But I think it's healthy. Um, And obviously, you know, my family comes first in my life. 
Um, specifically, what helps me is um, spending time with my golden retriever, and um, which is, you know, my baby. And so going on walks, being able to step outside of the office to get some fresh air. Um, I also do attend a really cool gym here locally. That's a small business. It's called Conquer. And so that also helps me kind of just unplug. Um, so, yeah, those are the things that help me. Mm. I've I've been told to get out of town uh, I, by Gary Troutman. Terry <laughs> said to leave the country. That was also a nice idea. Th- these are all great suggestions. Um, good questions. Good answers. Um, so that's it for this. Uh, do you have any last and final thoughts for anyone who's attending IOM? Yeah, I would just say keep going. Don't give up. Some days are super hard, you know, within our industry, but you matter and you are important. And that's it. That's the show. We have nothing more to share about 2024 winter other than that you should have been there. A special thank you to Josh, Terry, and Britton for sitting down with me to share their experience. This podcast is a product of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Institute for Organization Management. For those of you that miss out on winter, you can make it up to us by learning more about the program at institute.uschamber.com. You can also send your comments, questions, and apologies to our email, iom at uschamber.com. From Karen, Raymond, Isabel, Cece, and yours truly. All the best today and for a better tomorrow. Bye, everyone.